Hello and welcome to the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club. This is the series where I review a comic book, new or old, from my collection, and rate it on the factors of the cover art, interior art, plot, and enjoyability of the book on a scale of 1 to 5, and then I tell you to get it or shred it. This week I'm reading The Overstreet Comic Book Price Guide number 50. Published in 2020 by Gemstone Publishing, a division of Diamond Distributors, I guess? Well, everyone, this week it's a little bit of a different type of episode than I usually do. I'm not actually reviewing a comic book or magazine or whatever. I'm reviewing a publication about comic books. The famed Overstreet Comic Book Price Guide, who is celebrating their 50th anniversary. This is the 2020-2021 edition, the 50th anniversary. These publish once a year, and they are the go-to guide to check prices on comic books. So it really is beyond the scope of what's the, what's, let's rate the cover and the interior art and all of that. Because there is a cover, there's a bunch of cool covers. There is art on the inside and a bunch of articles, uh, plot, what kind of plot is there in this? And then the overall get it or shred it. So it doesn't quite fit with the usual confines of what the goal of the podcast is, but I thought it'd be fun to do something different. Let's talk about the Overstreet comic book price guide number 50. So background info, this is a price guide that's been publishing since 1970. And it would tell you the prices of all of your favorite comics with the various ratings of good, fine, near mint, and such. And for a long time, this was the resource that you would go to to haggle over the price of your Amazing Spider-Man number one. However, with the, uh, with the rise of eBay in particular, is the relevancy of this book still here? You can get a near-mint copy of book XYZ for half the price that guide says, or you can get the same book that's triple the price that guide says. In a sense, the main goal of the price guide is pretty irrelevant, because now you can make these transactions so easily on eBay or other platforms, heritage auctions and so forth that really skew the price of these books and therefore having something printed once a year that tells you prices might be irrelevant. I think, however, it is still a good indicator of price trends. If you look at previous year's editions, you can kind of get a sense of things. For example, Albedo number two, the first appearance of Usagi Yojimbo. I have actually the 32nd edition uh, and in there, Albedo number two was listed as $14. $14 for the first appearance of Usagi Ojimbo 1984, according to the guide. That edition, the 32nd edition, is from 2002. I also have the 42nd edition that I got 10 years later, so that's 2012. There, the uh, near mint first appearance of Usagi Ojimbo is $800. So. The latest one here, the 50th edition, lists it at $3,200. So in a sort of a historical sense, I think the guide prices do matter about what are the trends of books. Maybe there's a book that had at a certain point a lot of hype and it had a higher price and then subsequent years show you that there's less hype for it, less of a value. So as a historical sense, I think the price guide is still pretty good. Um, as a starting point to 
figure out a price in the real world, perhaps it might be valuable. You know, take it to a convention and break it out and try to get that copy of book XYZ and based on the guide, see if they follow it, see if they honor it. Because again, when you're on eBay and try to get a price, there's there's just the bidding, which always goes up. So just something to be aware of there. Other aspects of the book, it's not just a price guide. It's a beautiful love letter to comics in that there are various articles about the market report, what were trends in the world of comics in Silver Age, Golden Age, Bronze Age, Copper Age, Platinum Age, Victorian Age, Pioneer Age, in these various ages of comics. So great articles on all of these concepts. I really enjoy that. I the thing that I love about comics is not just the stories, but their history, all of the lore behind them, the people behind them, the artists, the writers, just all aspects. The book also has an Overstreet Hall of Fame, and it says this uh, Hall of Fame was conceived to single out individuals who have made great contributions to the comic book arts. Unfortunately, I have to say that this is, in another year, a very tone-deaf Hall of Fame. 99.9999% of all of the inductees are male. Come on, in the year 2020, in the year 2019, 2018, 2017, there are women in the world of comics that deserve to be in this Hall of Fame. And this Hall of Fame started in 2006, and every single year has pretty, been pretty much men. The first year, Murphy Anderson, Jim Aparo, Jim Lee, Macroboy. Okay. 2007, Dave Cockrum, Steve Ditko, Bruce Hamilton, Martin Nodal, George Perez, Jim Shooter, Dave Stevens, Alex Toth, Michael Turner, etc., etc., etc. Going through all of the years since then, no women stood out. Until 2019, Sal Bushima, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Michael William Kaluta, Rumiko Takahashi, the creator of uh, My Son Ikoku and uh, Ranma One Half and Inuyasha. As I browse through this, I don't see I, I don't see women here. I don't see Trina Robbins, Louise Simonson, Alison Bechdel, or the many women that have contributed to the world of comics. So this is a very tone deaf Hall of Fame. Very disappointing. Hopefully in 2020 we finally see more than one woman inducted in a particular year. On a more positive note, I like how they do articles on a particular topic. There's the War Report, which experts talk about war comics and on previous years romance comics and etc. So I like how, again, they give the sort of a history of a particular genre. Very enjoyable. There's an overview of Pacific Comics. I've been collecting Pacific Comics. I have a little connection to them. They were founded here in San Diego, my home base of operations. And there's a whole feature about them. There's an in-memoriam of Denny O'Neill, Joe Sinat, Russ Cochran, etc. A glossary of terms. And then, of course, a few thousand pages of comic prices. So when you go to your local comic shop, ask if you can browse their store copy of the guide. Better yet, pick up your own copy. Help out your local comic shop by buying one. There's a few variant covers to enjoy. I picked up the regular one. This is the Spawn plus Spider-Man cover. This is the first time Todd McFarlane draws Spider-Man, according to this, in 27 years on the cover of a book. And these are the two characters that made Todd famous. Spider-Man in the late 80s, early 90s, and Spawn since the 90s to now. Record-breaking comic book, after all. You can find some other variant covers, like the Winona Earp cover. It's a very hefty book, 1,182 pages. 
a lot of history, a lot of articles, market reports, all of that stuff that go beyond just the reading of the comics, but the history, the lore, the collectability of the comics, all of the aspects that I enjoy about comics. We see a variety of covers on every single page, and then it gets you to go look up that comic, read about it, a little synopsis, prices, sure, but I also love that it's like a web of connections. You look at a particular book and it also says, see this book, and you go off to go look at that book, oh yeah, that's the first appearance, or see this other book over here, and you just kind of jump around in this web of history of comics that I, that I enjoy. So many vintage comics to look at, like the Quick Draw McGraw comic from Dell. And because it's the 50th anniversary, they're of course congratulating themselves, which is totally deserved. Publishing a book every year for the last 50 years with their pulse in the world of comics is a great thing. So this week I read the Overstreet Comic Book Price Guide Special 50th Anniversary Edition, published by Gemstone Publishing in 2020. This has been the weekly VM Campus Comic Book Club, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>